Well, folks, it's been a big week, but uh, no news, of course, was bigger than the hiring of Pierre Maguire by the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, they got him. I actually, I, I might have thrown John for a loop there. He may not have realized that I had put Pierre Maguire to the very top of the show notes. <laughs> That's um, true. But this this long national nightmare of Pierre Maguire as a, uh, a host on uh, pretty much every important hockey game has come to an end. Uh, it is interesting that he got hired by a team. I feel like he's a guy that has been rumored to be like up for every GM job ever since the dawn of time. And, you know, he never gets it, but he's always for some reason in the conversation. Who else but the Ottawa Senators to go ahead and make the hire after all this time? We did it, Andy. We did it. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him hardcore because if the better he does with Ottawa, the less chance he finds his way between the benches at a game on TV. So go. It's McGuire. just hilarious to me, though, right? Like, I feel like Ottawa has had so many problems over the over the years. And granted, I think they showed some progress this last year. You know, Pierre Dorian. And by the way, they just love guys named Pierre. Uh, Pierre Dorian. <laughs> I think his plan is kind of working based on what he's building there. Uh, but man, it's like it, they just they take two steps forward and then one step back when it comes to just moves in terms of like the public eye. And, you know, Pierre Maguire, it's not somebody I would want anywhere near my team. <laughs> if you're if you're a Senators fan, they have like one of the deeper and best, you know, high, highly rated prospect pools. And of course, they hired Maguire to be the senior vice president of player development. So that's got to be good. That's got to be a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, it's it's hard to know, right, how well he's going to do, because we don't we don't really see that side mm-hmm. of him. Now, the big, more public knock against him is the fact that he's pretty anti analytics right Mm -hmm. and he kind of backtracked a little bit of that in his press conference but at the same time he doubled down and said no boots on the ground (laughs) is important boots on the ground boots on the ground but he like he does these little snide remarks during the broadcast on nbc about like you can't measure that you can't measure heart like that like (laughs) analytics doesn't measure effort (laughs) so i mean that's kind of the knock against him and i think that's why most people think he's not going to be great because he's not really considering all available information and that includes analytics as well as scout information and other things so Mm -hmm. anyway i think great for us he's out of the country He's not on ESPN or PSN or yeah. TNT. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think they should just change their name to the Ottawa Pierres. Let's get it over with. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I, like I said, I'm rooting for him to have all the success in the world there. Sound of Hockey episode 146. We're calling this one the Scott Hartnell episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, Scott Hartnell, he had 146 career penalty minutes in the playoffs. Oh, very specific. (laughs) So so we're kind of putting a bow on the playoffs with this one. I've always liked Scott Hartnell because he seems like a clown. He Mm, seems like a a really big clown on the team. And I think he was funny at a time when hockey players were not really showing a lot of humor and and personality. So I appreciate Scotty Hardnell. Uh, sure. I, I appreciate him as well. He always had long hair. So that's uh, cool. something yeah. to say about that. Scott could be Hardnell. why you thought he looked like a clown, John. Right. He yeah, it's true. Puffy yep. hair. Yeah, yeah maybe. Helmet. And he played for a team that wore orange for a long it's time. It's all so. part of the lore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was gritty before gritty existed, is what he was. <laughs> He's the inspiration right. for gritty. <laughs> Might have been the inspiration for gritty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Eyed. Hello, Andy. 
How's it going? I'm at Andy Ida on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle, where there's a lot happening this week. Uh, holy cats. It's, it's a Why? lot. What's going on? It's a lot. It's on? a lot. Well, we're going to talk yeah. about it. Uh, I just want to remind folks that, yes, you can review us. You can give us five-star reviews on iTunes. And if you do that, we will read it for you on the next episode. Just want to remind people of that because it seems like somehow you forgot this past week. So just want to <laughs> make sure that you're aware. Uh, okay. So back to the Seattle stuff. Here's what's happening. We have, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's this draft happening on Wednesday, July 21st. And what's going to happen is Seattle is going to take a bunch of players from every team in the league except for Vegas because Vegas is stupidly exempt. (laughs) And I'm pretty excited about this. We've kind of been like somewhat loosely paying attention to it on this podcast. Loosely. Just a little bit. Yeah, every now and then we look at it. So what can we expect from this event, John? Well, it's going to be at Gasworks Park. There's a limited capacity and they're giving out tickets to, and it's not clear how they're distributing the tickets, but they said they're handing out a bucket loads of tickets to community <laughs> groups and season ticket holders have an option to get it. But it sounds absolutely amazing. So about 4,000 people are going to be there at Gasworks Park. And I believe I mentioned Gasworks Park a couple of weeks ago about what, what a great place it would be. Uh, and that was with no insider information. I just know Gasworks Park really well. And that's pretty badass site for people that don't live in the area. Um, but then there's going to be a big stage is going to be, you know, that's where ESPN is going to do the production. I, I imagine it's going to be almost like a, a setup like college game day where, uh, yep. you know, Chris Fowler and Dominic Moore and Kevin Weeks are going to be hosting the show and announcing the players. And then there's there's some kind of crazy barge that's going to have a screen <laughs> and, and be uh, sharing it. So if you have a boat, you can go out and have like, a, what are they calling it? A, a, a sailgate. Sailgate. Yep. Oh, sailgate. Of course, yep. sailgate. So where you can watch on a boat. So pretty badass. Should be good weather, knock on wood. But it is, you know, it is July, so we should be good. Yep. Let's keep the smoke away. No smoke. No smoke. Yeah, it's going to look amazing on TV. I, th- I mean, that, that barge with a big screen and all the boats. It's going to look know. really good on TV. It's going to be really cool to see. They're not clear if they're going to be able to get uh, players here, but I've seen and heard that they were trying to, but they don't know who they're going to pick. So you yeah. basically got to turn these people around pretty damn quick to fly out here uh, within you know a couple of days of the uh, list being published on mm-hmm. Sunday. Now, now, John, I have a question for you about this because uh, their release talked about there would be guest appearances by celebrities. Are you one of those celebrities? Uh, I'm fairly certain I am not. Oh, um, man. What a, they what love a to, lost opportunity. They love to do like uh, people that appeared on Bachelorette and things like that and <laughs> music videos that I've never watched before. So, mm-hmm. Well, maybe – hey, maybe Macklemore will be there to sing the goal song. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll announce that's the goal song right there and then and there. Yeah, that will be cool. That will be great. Uh, I'll just stuff. like turn around and go right back up the hill. Yeah, that's it. You're out. <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing I was thinking about, though, if it is going to be a college game day style, you know, they always do that thing where the I forget what the guy's name is, uh, Lee, Lee Corso, Corso, I think, that puts the mascot head on, depending on which team he thinks is going to win. I need some sort of thing like that. I need Chris Fowler or Kevin Weeks or Dominic Moore to put on some sort of mascot head. Maybe that's how they reveal who the mascot is. Is yeah. Oh, just, that would be good. That'd be good. Just yeah. a in the sea monster mascot. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Squiddy, so. squiddy, like gritty, but squiddy. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I'm in. 
couple other things. There is a couple watch parties that have been um, advertised on the Kraken site. So one of them is our hub is Petoskey's in Fremont and obviously the Angry Beaver. And then there's a couple else on there depending on your location. But... I think there should be some celebratory college sodas after the event. So if you're in the area, if you're in Fremont or you're going to the event and you need to post game, uh, let's head to Petoskey's right after. It is going to be an awesome event. I'm so excited for it. We've been, you know, talking about this. I I said we loosely talk like we literally talk about this all the time. We spent (laughs) hundreds of hours and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. I think we spent hundreds of hours trying to predict who was going to get picked. And now here we are, uh, and uh, we are about to pick a team in about a week, which is incredible. Uh, Just an FYI, by the way, because this thing is happening on Wednesday, I wouldn't expect the podcast like the day before the expansion draft. So maybe just, yeah, maybe, you know, hold your horses next week, pump the brakes, just understand there's some things happening and we'll get to you at some point with next week's podcast. Um, But there's a lot happening. Uh, Some other Seattle related news. And I guess speaking of the expansion draft, and I don't know if we can really call this news. This feels like not news to me. Like old news. Right. So Jacob Voracek, (laughs) Chuck Fletcher, essentially confirmed that Jacob Voracek will not be uh, protected in Philadelphia, which somebody predicted um, of the three of us when writing his projection article uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. And that person was Andy. So Andy, it seems like you may have hit the nail on the head here. I'm pretty sure Chuck Fletcher read that and thought, hey, that makes some sense. You might be right about that. And then the other one is Matt Duchesne. Uh, So that one came from Pierre Lebrun. He's saying, oh, I'm hearing that Matt Duchesne is unlikely to be protected. John, you successfully predicted that uh, in your piece. So it's almost like we kind of know what we're talking about around here. And I don't mean to toot your own horns, but occasionally we get things right. And when that happens, we got to make sure that we call it out because uh, that's just neat. Uh, I am curious, though. I remember just before the Vegas Golden Knights draft, we started seeing this like flurry of like every, you know, the crawl along the bottom of sporting events. Uh, you'd see NHL news and it would just be like Florida trades, Jonathan Marchessault to the Vegas Golden Knights to get them to whatever. Right. And it was like thing after thing after thing. And it was in the days before the expansion draft. I wonder if we're going to have a flurry like that or if those things are going to be held until the day of the event. Well, theoretically, yeah, theoretically, they do need to wait until the event because it's their trades are announced and then it's like for expansion draft considerations. Mm-hmm. So they might announce the first part of the trade, but the kind of the real benefit of the expansion draft won't be announced, obviously, until the expansion draft. But, you know, a lot of this stuff started kind of leaking already. Like, even mm-hmm. if it's not official, the Pierre Lebruns and uh, Elliot yeah. Friedman's are like, oh, I'm hearing, you know, a third going to Columbus for so-and-so or whatever. But so the I anticipate flurry, a lot of that. The flurry news for Vegas seemed to be out there already. Like, we all knew flurry was going to be there, there coming to Vegas, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, can't remember, I can't remember February. how we found that out, but that was yeah. that seemed to be like a, a no-brainer when because it happened. It just it was such an obvious move, right? Yeah. Like they they Could needed to get rid of his contract. They needed him out of there. Vegas seemed to want him. It was like it was the worst kept secret, right? Like everybody knew <laughs> yeah. that he was on his way out. So we kind of knew these things. It is interesting to see them more or less get confirmed uh, that these are um, players that are going to be available. I don't know if necessarily Seattle wants either of those players because they both have eight million dollar cap hits. But you know they're <laughs> decent players, and if there's something that comes along with it, then I'm open to it. So. And the other one, we, you know, sometimes minutia just can't be avoided. And <laughs> it has to happen because this was pretty big hockey news here. We're recording on Tuesday night. This broke 
Tuesday morning, Michael Russo of The Athletic had the big bombshell that not only was Zach Parise being bought out by Minnesota, but so too was Ryan Suter. So you'll recall (laughs) that the two of them signed matching 13-year Whopper $98 million contracts uh, nine years ago on July 4th. It was a momentous day for Minnesota fans everywhere. They came in together. They were buddies the, th- the whole time. Uh, and now they go out together in not so monumental fashion. And <laughs> I got to say, I, I was not at all surprised by the Parise buyout. It just it felt like that was coming. Uh, but the Suter buyout, that shocked me. Uh, he is still a very, very good defenseman. So uh, it does certainly have some implications for their protection scheme. It means that Matt Dumba can now certainly be protected, which we weren't 100% sure of before. Uh, it does sound like they're probably going to protect Cam Talbot now. So the other goalie, Capo Kakinen, mm. is probably going to be exposed. Uh, he's a younger, more of like a, I mean, he's got a chance to be a really good goalie, but right now he's not quite ready to be a number one. Um, and then the other options are going to be probably Carson Soucy or like a Victor Rask. So they're interesting. They're really going to protect Talbot, you think? That's what it sounds like. You know, um, he was very good this year and Kakanen was just not as good, but obviously there's plenty of upside there. So the only reason I would see them maybe exposing Talbot is if they have some sort of deal in place to uh, stop the Kraken from taking him. But I guess we'll find that mm-hmm. out in a few days. So let's talk about this dead cap situation. Yeah. So the ramifications of buyouts are that you need to kind of do a cap recapture. And I think it's like the remaining plus two years or something like that. I, I'm not totally sure on the rules, but the basically you can't get out of the cap here in this situation by buying buying somebody out. And so, man, they're going to have five million of dead cap space next season and then 12 million the following and then almost 15 million in years three and four in the third or fourth season from now that is insane when you think about the cap is and you know some people are projecting it's going to be flat for three to five years and so that's right in the range um now most of their guys are tied up right darren Mm, i don't know i mean they still have to sign kaprizov which we've talked about they still have to sign kevin fiala and then the the reason that I think they think it this can work is because they do have some young players coming, Marco Rossi and uh, Matt Boldy, who I think they expect to be impactful players. But man, it is fascinating, and you're absolutely right. I guess the reasoning behind it is that by doing it right now, they do get ten million dollars of cap relief this season. And there's some scuttlebutt out there that they're going to try to go after Jack Eichel. Now, I don't see how that's possible with $15 million of of dead space in a few years. But if they're able to take a couple other guys off the books in a few years, then maybe. I mean, I just it's it's a wild move. Oh, pun, no pun intended. But <laughs> I guess the theory behind it is that they they didn't expect to really have much of a role for Parise this year anyway. So it made all the sense in the world to buy him out. I get that. The thought process behind Suter is that they do think, although he's still a pretty good defenseman right now, he is going to decline pretty soon because he's, you know, 36 and mm-hmm. uh, he's already started to decline clearly. So the idea was by doing this now, they get some cap relief now. And then in the two, three years, they're going to have the same cap problem that they would have had anyway. Right. But then now they don't have like the aging player to find a spot for on the roster. He's at least out of there. And I mean, I don't, I don't know if I fully understand the, the suitor buyout because like I said, like he's a very effective player still. He's a top pairing guy, top four defenseman at least. So <laughs> it's very interesting. Do you guys see any um, any fit for him coming to Seattle? 
for the right term, meaning like I, I care more about the years yeah. than than yeah. the actual amount. Um, obviously, the amount needs to be considered, but there's no reason why to not think he could fit here for a bit. I think he probably wants to win a Stanley Cup. Hate to dash anybody's dreams, but um, I think it's unrealistic <laughs> to expect a Stanley Cup here in the what? first couple of years. So I can imagine he would probably if money's not important to him and now that he's got bought out, he probably doesn't need to worry about it. And so why not just sign with a team that's got the best chance of uh, winning a Stanley cup. So what about the Islanders reuniting mm-hmm. with Barry Trotz? Preezy could also go to the Islanders because of the connection with Lamarillo and his time in New Jersey. So maybe they both kind of ship off somewhere too. They do enjoy playing together as we have seen, but I don't know. I mean, I just don't know if you sign both of them. If you're the Islanders, I feel like that's kind of a lot of, old kind of had declining, guy, yeah. declining guys I well know. but we'll it, i mean like think of like spezza and simmons in toronto right uh, at a million dollars a year yeah and look how well they, they did in the playoffs. <laughs> well but there's a little risk right no, i know really i know risk. there's a little risk yeah. i i just i see the connection i get what you're saying i think it's it's totally possible but i think i don't know i just don't see them signing in the same place again like that was it was such a like written story and you know, they were tied at the hip and they just everything that happened was like it was it was Suter and Parise's team for so long. And I just I don't know if I see them going to the same place yet again, but we'll see. Fair you enough. know, I wouldn't rule it out. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I just that's not what I see happening, but I, I don't know. The one thing about Suter coming here that, that I think is interesting is that if you look at the expansion draft projections, I think it's heavy on D, a little bit light on forward. So they may find that they can find a better or younger defenseman. That may hurt him from coming here. I mm-hmm. think you like, you know, his his obviously his experience and all that stuff. But um, that would be the one thing reason I think it wouldn't they wouldn't look at him is just because I think they can find a, a bunch of defensemen in the in the draft. Um, but we'll see. And, and one question I have for you, Darren, on this: How much of this move do you think was motivated by? expansion draft protection plan and, and Matt Dumba in, in particular. Yeah, I'm sure it factored in, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Garen talked about that they had been uh, considering this for months and months now, which is interesting because, you know, it never even was really a whisper that Suter could be bought out. So, but I, I definitely think, you know, Garen seemed confident all along that they were going to be able to protect Dumba without making yep. guys waive their no move clauses and without making a trade to make a space for Dumba. So, I mean, clearly he had this in mind, right? That this was what he was going to do. Yeah. I, I mean, it shocked everybody, but it is what it is. One thing that was a little bit funny, uh, Russo also wrote a story of kind of like the, the behind the scenes of what happened. And mm-hmm. it started with Garen calling Ryan Suter to tell him that he had been bought out. Suter didn't answer. So then Garen called <laughs> Parise. Parise took the call, found out that he had been bought out, immediately picked up the phone to call Suter to be like, hey man, this sucks. <laughs> I got bought out. And he's like, oh, really? When did you find out? He's like, well, Bill Garen just called me. And then Suter's like, oh, interesting. Bill Garen just called me too, but I, I missed the call. And then, and then the phone starts ringing again, and Ryan Suter is like, well, maybe I should pick this up. And he answers it, finds out that he's been bought out, gets pissed off, and hangs up on Bill Garen. So, wow. That was uh, an that was interesting. A, that was a funny story. Yeah. I thought I was amused. Yeah, I was do also you think, amused. And I haven't, I haven't read that story. Maybe it's in there. Do you think they ever approached Suter about waiving his no move clause? No, I do not think so. Okay. Uh, I mean, I know at some point Parise had waived his to go play for New York, right? That trade mm-hmm. was like in place, ready to go. And then it fell through at the last deal uh, or at the last second so big time ripples associated with that buyout definitely not something that i saw coming uh the last piece of kind of big seattle news we have preseason games on the schedule for the seattle kraken 
What is the setup here, John? Well, it was announced last week that they're basically taking the show on the road in the first three preseason games, or all the home preseason games, are going to be played at WHL arenas across Washington State. Which is pretty uh, it's cool. Gonna, yeah, it is pretty cool. The reality is they're probably hedging that and giving it some more runway for the arena. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is a really cool way to get out um, and visit the hockey community and also bring NHL hockey to, to people that might not be able to either A, afford it or see it because of distance away from the arena. So they're going to Spokane on September 26th to take on the Vancouver Canucks. And then they're going to come back to the Seattle area and play the Edmonton Oilers October 1st at Angel of the Winds. Mm-hmm. One Angel, two Winds. Thank right. you. And then the very next night, they're going to play at Showwear Center against Calgary Flames. So very cool. And I love the intimacy of like playing in the WHL arenas, particularly Showwear, because it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the smallest. Tickets go on sale to the general public this Friday. So if you're listening to it after Friday, they're on sale. If you're listening <laughs> to it before Friday, mark it. I think it's at noon. They're all being sold at the individual WHL sites, so go there for the information, and you'll see it from there. So very cool. And, man, I got to tell you, so this news did happen last week, so it was a, a little while ago, but pretty flipping cool starting to think about preseason games yeah. and what yeah. that might look like. And holy crap, we're getting team, and they're playing, and we've got a schedule. Connor <laughs> McDavid is going to play against Seattle, theoretically, assuming he's in the night. But, but, like, pretty cool. Like, I'm like, holy crap, this is insane. This is really happening. And people from Vancouver are like, oh, I got a road trip to Spokane. I'm like, like, you crazy? That's <laughs> insane. It's a preseason game. But anyway, really cool stuff. And there is a, a benefit or a donation that's some of the ticket revenue is going to go to the One Roof Foundation, which yep. is the overarching nonprofit foundation for Climate Pledge and the Seattle Kraken. And all the money is going to go to expanded youth access to hockey. So very, very cool stuff, I think, all around. I'm really excited. And based on what I saw, fans are really excited about it, too. There's actually six preseason games, just to, just to round that out. Three of them are on the road. Um, so they will be playing in those same those same three teams, but they'll be playing them on the road. And then while we we were patting ourselves on the back earlier for predicting things, John was on that something was going on. Because he, he sent me a message asking why these U.S. division games had been rescheduled. Uh, by the WHL, right. and I, I hadn't right. thought anything of it. I'm like, I don't know. There was some some problem with the building. I don't know. I, I never seen that and just didn't think anything about it. But John John thought something was up, and he was onto something. <laughs> I totally well, blew I, it I off. I didn't expect this, but I expected maybe they're moving to to not conflict with the games. I'm not going to take total credit for that, but I'm like, <laughs> something's fishy. But yeah, it's going to be an awesome few events to kind of do like a little road show to show off how great hockey is in the state. Um, and then, you know, the other thing here, speaking of Climate Pledge Arena and speaking of hedging to make sure that there's enough time to have the arena done, uh, Andy and I actually walked through the arena yesterday, Climate Pledge Arena. Actually, not yesterday. What day was that? Monday? Oh, yeah, it was Monday. It was, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. That's yeah, a slow week. Okay. Uh, but it's it was cool. You know, it was great to to see it and see all the progress. I got to say, that's my first time in the building. It really does feel small for an NHL arena. Like, that's going to be awesome to see a game in there. Because even if you're in, like, the last row of the building, you're not that high up at all. Great sight lines. Uh, it's it's going to be really, really a great place to watch hockey games. So uh, check out my hype video, by the way, on soundofhockey.com. People seemed to really enjoy watching that. So Are they getting hyped? I hope so. <laughs> but it's not a hypothetical, though, right? No, no, it's just a hype video. Okay, it yeah. was a real okay. thing. We went. And just one thing on that on that tour. First of all, if if you've been to Key Arena before, whether it was to watch hockey or the Sonics or a concert, you're gonna get blown away because it, it's it, it is indeed a brand new arena, right? There's none of the, none of the old building left, and it's 
while while the, it looks small, like just the overall footprint is bigger. There's an atrium entrance now that wasn't there before. Uh, there's this long ass tunnel to load up stuff that goes out a block away from the arena where that never was that wasn't there before. So it really it really is amazing in there. It was kind of kind of mind blowing having been to the old arena. Um, and, and then one thing on the ramp up to get done in time. Uh, they told us that they are still expected to be ready to go by the time of the regular season starts and that they're going to be using the month of September to test everything in the building, all the electronics, make uh, sure okay. everything's ready to go. So for people who are worried that it's technically will be done in September, but they're just going to test it out before they actually have an event in there. One of the things they also talked about was not so much that like they got backed up by COVID, for example, because mm-hmm. they, they really did like work right through that. You know, it shut down for like whatever, a week or something, and then they were allowed to go right back in. They did laud the fact that they have had no real COVID outbreaks. I'm sure a few employees have gotten because everybody has just known somebody who's gotten COVID, but they didn't have any big outbreaks. They didn't have anything like that. Everybody worked safely. So really, really impressive. And one of the things that they said they were impacted by is the supply chain issues, right? And so they had people that were like very, very carefully tracking the supplies to make sure exactly where they were and that they were going to get there on the day that they needed them. And um, so that's been a a big challenge for them, but it sounds like they've worked through it. Uh, I actually heard uh, from talking to somebody that uh, the seats, a lot of the seats were actually on one of the ships that got stuck in the Suez Canal after (laughs) (laughs) after that boat got stuck. Nice. Yeah, so fun uh, fun oh, fact that's there. Incredible. Also, uh, one thing that I was a little concerned about, and I saw somebody writing about this somewhere today, is that the windows that allow in so much natural light, and I think I even told a story about too much natural light in an ice arena at one point, uh, they do have a way to block those out. So if it's a day game and it needs to be darker in there, they have a way to uh, to cover those up. So just in case you're wondering. They won't. scoreboards are going to be cool too. They have the yes. frames of them there. They're going to be gigantic, one at each end of the ice instead of a scoreboard over center ice. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be an mm-hmm. adjustment. Like I, I liked the concept when I first saw it, but then I'm like, oh wow, that's going to be you know We're naturally up. <laughs> you get a whistle, you're going to kind of like look to the center. But so I'm sure it'll just take a game or two to get used to it. But uh, that looked pretty awesome. That looked massive. Yeah, they're huge. And that is all that we have for our Seattle Kraken talk for today. I'm sure we'll have some more as we go on. Let's be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to a WHL update with our WHL correspondent Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. Yeah, like Monday was like let's all release some news here in the u.s division mm-hmm. especially but um well so we're gonna start outside of the u.s division and and longtime everett player assistant coach mitch love has got a new gig he'd been coaching uh the saskatoon blades the last couple of years as the head coach he's moving on he's moving up to stockton of the ahl which is calgary's affiliate so congratulations to mitch love and maybe he'll be he's coaching got, dustin wolf he very likely yeah, will yeah probably will <laughs> i mean he knows him a little bit wolf was there i think one year he was there uh, when he was working under Dennis Williams will love spent most of his time under Kevin Constantine, but then did finish up before getting the Saskatoon job with Dennis Williams. So, and speaking of Dennis Williams, uh, this isn't really a surprise, but he had taken on the uh, interim general manager uh, role after they, after Gary Davidson left and he has now had that lifted and he is the full-time general manager and head coach for the ever silver tip. So how, how sure common that. is the uh, head coach GM combo? It's pretty common in some teams uh, like Portland has it. Uh, you see, you do see that, you know, it's not like every team has that, but there, there is definitely 
I don't know, 10, 15 of the team. So it's almost, I'd say it's pretty common. Seems like a tough gig, but I guess they're, you do them at different times of the year. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, it's, maybe it's okay. I think, you know, you have to delegate to your scouting staff. So Dennis Williams is going to have to really trust his scouting staff as head of scouting to do this, the Bantam scouting yeah. during the season when he's, you know, when he's concentrating on the, on the team in Everett. But yeah, it can, it can happen. I mean, Portland's had a lot of success with Mike Johnson, who I think yep. is, I think his title is president, general manager, and head coach. So, He's wearing three hats down there. It's also a way for those guys to get paid more, right? You get a pay raise with every one of those titles. Three, paycheck, so, three yeah. paychecks. That's pretty yeah. cool. But then that's a salary <laughs> taken away from somebody else too. So it's probably on on the whole, right? You're getting a nice savings there from the team. And obviously it's great experience for the guy who holds multiple different roles because yep. you can kind of do whatever you want in theory at some point. But uh, yeah, I do really like Dennis Williams. I've spoken with him before. He has just a ton of energy and he's a, he's a cool guy. So uh, good for him. Yeah. And I, I think the key is just delegating. So he'll, I'm sure he's figured that out and you know, you, you just trust your scouting staff. Uh, then we also had Portland announcing that they are going to change the logo of their jerseys, which is kind of big news. Um, you know, they've had the Blackhawk logo and, and look for their whole existence. Mm-hmm. And for those of you wondering, the reason that happened is when they first started, uh, one of their owners, uh, I believe, and Portland fans can correct me if I'm getting pieces of this wrong, but one of their original owners had had also had a share in the Blackhawks and they needed jerseys. And so they just took a bunch of old Blackhawks jerseys and that's been the logo ever since. Hmm. That's been the look ever since. So that's why uh, they've, they've always gotten away with that. That's why they're not getting, you know, Lethbridge Hurricanes used to have jerseys that look like the Capitals. Except it said hurricanes across, and that they were actually asked to change those. But Chicago's cool with it because that's it was originally one of their their ownership uh, groups. But the new logo will be released by the time you hear this, I think. Because I think it's happening Wednesday or Thursday. And speaking of owners, we covered the ownership transition last summer, right, mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. Portland Winterhawks, and this is mm-hmm. kind of one of the first big acts of the new ownership group. This has been coming. They've been dropping little hints, like they they changed center ice from the the Indian head logo that we used to do this big stylistic P with a Portland Winterhawk circle around it. So they've been kind of hinting that a change was coming. I love a good stylistic P. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't? Who yeah, doesn't? yeah. Who doesn't really? <laughs> I have a look that I'm, that I'm rooting for. And I think they, I think I might get it because they dropped a little promo and video. And in that promo video, you see just a little glimpse of what the new logo is. And it looks an awful lot like the one they, they wore third jerseys a couple of years ago with this like angry looking Hawk on it, like a bird on the crest, but the style of the, the crest was cool, but also they had these like stripes on the, on the sleeves that were different and, that's just a really good look. So I'm hoping they go with that. So mm. we'll see. I bet it won't be that because why would they be dropping a bunch of hints and then just wear a jersey that they've worn in the past? Like, oh, it's a throwback. Well, <laughs> they wore it like one they wore it for like one game. So it's not like it's out there a lot. Okay. One game they wore it. All right. All right. I'm writing um, this down. Yeah. I'm writing it down. But no, it's book. fine. We're recording, John. Just it's okay. <laughs> I, I tweet I tweeted a picture of it. So if you go look at my I Twitter saw, page, I saw that looked pretty badass. Yeah, and actually. I want to see it in white. I think it would actually look better in white. Um, but we'll see. We will see what happens. All right. And then lastly like Spokane and Seattle were silent this week, but I guess Seattle got the, the preseason games. But uh, the head coach of the Tri-City Americans, Kelly Buckberger, is no longer the head coach. We don't know if he was fired or quit. We, they just announced that he's no longer the head coach. So there, there'll be a head coach search in Tri-City. Don't be surprised if longtime uh, WHL coach Don Knockbauer gets hired. He'd been an assistant there for the last year. So mm. former Seattle coach, he's coached everybody pretty much. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how much like Stu Barnes weighs in on these decisions. That's like, a good question. Think, that's something we never asked him when we had him on the podcast. But I always think about how, is he just kind of like it's on cruise control and just gets emails every once in a while? Or is it like he's actively involved in like board meetings I, and stuff? I talked to him once just kind of the first time I interviewed him. I don't, I didn't get the sense that he's that active. I'm sure a, a coaching change is probably run by him. I mean, their their general manager Bob Torrey is very experienced, and he's been 
around the WHL for a long time. And he's the one who brought friend of the pod, Steve Konowalczyk, into Portland when he was working there. Mm. So Bob Torrey is pretty trustworthy. Uh, I, I think if you're an owner, you trust what that guy's doing. He's not, you know, flying by the seat of his pants. Yeah. But yeah. I would imagine if you're making that big of a decision that you at least run it by ownership. Yeah. So yeah. They were at least in the, I, I guess they were in the, in the loop. All right. So that's our WHL update. Thank you to our WHL correspondent, Andy Eyde. Uh, hello, Andy. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> we should at least briefly talk about the Stanley Cup I final. I that on a t-shirt. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, we, the Stanley Cup final has been going on and we, it's almost like we've just been waiting and waiting and <laughs> waiting for this season to end because we know that there's so many Seattle things coming up. And not only was there all this Seattle stuff coming up, but then, holy crap, the rest of the league is doing all this stuff as well, be probably be largely because the Seattle stuff is coming up, right? And so now the Stanley Cup final ended since we last recorded, and it's almost like, eh, do we need to talk about it? I don't know, right? But it's the Stanley <laughs> Cup final. It's like, yeah, we probably need to talk about it at least a little bit. Uh, so the Tampa Bay Lightning do ultimately win 4-1, to one, uh, as Robot Man mentioned on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they are, once again, the uh, the back-to-back champions. I guess good on them. I, I think this is one of those where nobody was really pulling for them. So I did appreciate that somebody dropped the Stanley Cup and put a big dent in it yep. uh, at their boat parade. Uh, we also had Nikita Kucherov doing his absurd press conference after the Stanley <laughs> Cup win, which uh, was pretty hilarious, if you ask me. That was pretty good. That was the highlight of that post game for sure. So, I mean, was it the highlight it, of the whole series? Maybe. It was only five games. <laughs> I also appreciated uh, Andre Vasilevsky putting his Conn Smythe trophy on his head during the boat parade and just like wearing it like a like a mask. Um, that was kind of funny. And my last thing that I liked was there was a like a woman, young woman in the crowd that was dressed up as Pat Maroon. And she had this, <laughs> it was like a tank top that the tank top just looked like a hairy man chest. And then uh, she had the fedora that he wears and a scarf. And she like yelled at him. She's like, hey, I'm, I'm dressed up as you. And he looked at her and like somebody snapped the picture of him looking at her. And he just was like over the moon that somebody had dressed up as Pat Maroon. So I um, thought that was pretty great. Uh, going back a- to that Kucherov thing, if people didn't see it, he ascended his post game press conference shirtless mm-hmm. and pounding a beer yeah. and just in a really good mood. He was complaining that Vasilevsky didn't win the, the Vesna. He called it the number one bullshit. Mm-hmm. He got a sponsorship out of Bud Light with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess great. Good for him. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was a funny press conference. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. I mean, sometimes yep. I think people get irritated because hockey players can be too dull in these things. And this was quite the opposite. So if you're poo-pooing the fact that he was, you know, hammered after winning the Stanley Cup <laughs> and he's just speaking honestly, then you know what? Go take a hike. But uh, anyway, good stuff. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning and all of their fans, and especially to our good friend Jason Berger, uh, a.k.a. Ouest Fromage, friend of the pod. (laughs) We do have a couple of big trades to discuss. Well, actually, one trade and one potential trade. Uh, So Duncan Keith goes to the Oilers, uh, which I guess we kind of expected. We knew he was going to be going to Western Canada. Andy, thank goodness for you, uh, because I know how you felt about getting Duncan Keith on the Kraken. But they trade Caleb Jones and a third rounder to Chicago. What does this mean for the Kraken? And see, remember I said we weren't going to talk about the Kraken anymore? Well, wouldn't you know? We're talking about the Kraken again. What does this mean for the Kraken and their protection scheme up in Edmonton, John? Well, it it doesn't change much because Caleb Jones is probably going to be exposed. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, you know, they don't have exposure to Caleb Jones and Duncan Keith just takes a protection slot. So it sounds like uh, Oscar Clefbaum, it's going to be exposed still. And that's a big risk. And I think even Mm -hmm. Ken Holland 
said this week, it, oh, it doesn't look like he's going to play this year. So <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what's can't going put on. His arm, but, can't hold his arms above his head. These mm. Yeah. So we'll see. And I did call it out on Twitter that Seattle can request any medical records of any player that's exposed. Anybody, regardless if they want to take them or not. So I imagine Seattle will look at this and and evaluate, you know, what their what their plan is and make sure that the medical records. But it, it might be worth the risk. It still might be worth the risk. So um, I wouldn't rule it out. Doesn't change much in Chicago either because Chicago doesn't have much to offer right now. So that's not going to change anything. And they'll probably protect Caleb Jones instead of protecting Duncan Keith. So net nothing there. And the other piece of trade... I guess, discussion. It's not a real trade yet, like I said. But Vladimir Tarasenko has officially requested a trade out of St. Louis. Uh, Andy, do you know the story on this for why he wants to get out of there? Uh, no. Okay. I actually do. I was going to give you an <laughs> okay. opportunity there, but thanks for you know coming so prepared to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, the story is that <laughs> Tarasenko, I'm just kidding. You do such a great job of coming prepared, Andy. You know that. He had uh, multiple shoulder injuries, as we know. And allegedly, at least this is what I read in Jeremy Rutherford's piece. Jeremy Rutherford is pretty well plugged into the St. Louis Blues. The story is that I believe he had two surgeries and they didn't heal the right way. And this was done by uh, St. Louis's team doctors. They got to the playoff bubble last year and he was like, hey, my shoulder still doesn't feel right. I don't know what's going on. Um, and they're like, no, I, you know, I, you're probably fine. And they like had him play, right? Rather than going back in and doing more surgery to figure out what was actually wrong. He ended up going to a different surgeon and the other surgeon actually fixed the problem. And he just, I guess there was something with like, A, the team doctors, B, the way that the team handled it and C, like he just, he didn't feel taken care of or supported by the team. And so now it's it's irreparable damage between him and the team and he has asked out. Uh, so that is very interesting. I am curious what happens here. John, you and I were talking before this. You thought he might end up being exposed by the Blues now, which, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't expose him, right? I, I get the idea that, they, you know, they'd want to get something back for him, but he's got a big cap hit too. So who knows? I mean, I, I wonder what's going to happen with him here. Yeah, 7.5 cap hit, you know, for just two more years. But it's funny, I you know, I went back into our projections back in January of this year. I wrote about the St. Louis Blues and said, like, he's a bubble guy, even with his current situation. And now he wants out, didn't have a great year. And cap space is a premium and they hold him if they think they can get value for him. But, you know, we saw with some of the players that went on waivers that nobody wanted mm -hmm. to pay these high salaries. <laughs> Tarasenko could be in the same boat. So you might as well just expose him and hope Seattle grabs him, you know, because then they can protect somebody like Sammy Blaze or Oscar Sundquist and Seattle takes that 7.5 million contract a year. Now, that would be a really interesting player to pick for the team. So I would love to see him here. And I, again, you know, it's not my money, obviously. So, <laughs> so 7.5, what's a big deal? He's only got two years left. Um, mm -hmm. So similar to Clefbaum, I think there's a risk, but the well, upside yeah. is pretty significant. And so I do worry about that. And that's why he's not going to get a lot of value is because he does have this injury history and hasn't really bounced back back yet but when healthy he's an elite scorer in the league so again yeah, I, I think i think it's worth with two years right if you have the space and the money's <laughs> like not really a, you probably don't want to like have a bunch of tarasenkos and cleft bombs on the team <laughs> yeah. and then none of them pan out and then you're like oh, okay we got like we have nobody million on injured reserve. <laughs> so obviously you want to kind of balance everything in the grand scheme of things. But I think, you know, somebody like Tarasenko or Clefbaum, they're in kind of the same boat. The upside's 
pretty significant. You can kind of get them for free, theoretically. And we now move on to our segments. And it has been a while since we've been able to have one of these segments. Well, season's over, so we're not talking about Golden Year Corner. Well, we might be. But Like I said, it's been a while. It's not the time of year to have new Goalie Gear getting released, but we have one. That's right, folks. It's time for Goalie Gear Corner! <laughs> See, I think that actually was like a higher, higher pitch on the corner part. I'm out of practice. I haven't done that in a while. Was that a different pitch? And that sounded like a different person. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of creeped out by the way you intro that. It was that voice there. It was like kind of nighttime DJ. Yeah. Well, actually, it was one of, we started recording and it was still like, there was a little bit of light outside, so I didn't turn on any lights. And now uh, it's completely (laughs) dark in here, except for my computer screen. So that kind of makes sense. I could be a nighttime DJ as we're recording this. Um, But anyway, Goalie Gear Corner. Now this comes from Dave Art, who we've spoken about Dave Art quite a few times uh, on the podcast during Goalie Gear Corner. He is a Swedish guy that paints masks for many, many NHL players. And he did a really freaking cool Seattle Kraken mask based on his Instagram post here. I think it might be like a promotional thing because it says watch the hashtag Seattle draft on Wednesday, July 21 at 8 p.m. on and at ESPN2. So I think it's just a promotional thing or does Dave Art know something that we don't here? I'm pretty sure it's for Kerry Price to wear because we're going to bring him home. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> And for those of you out there, I'm totally kidding because we're not getting Carey Price right. here. This is a pretty incredible job that he's done. He's this. got a lot this of different quite... kinds of paint. He calls it 5D. Yeah. So like when he shines, I don't know how many times you're going to have like a black light shining on your goalie mask. But, <laughs> you know, if it happens, uh, you definitely want to have some cool stuff painted underneath the other paint. So, yeah, it is really cool. It's got the S Seattle Kraken logo on the side. It's got the anchor logo on the top. Uh, it's got the Kraken like word. Uh, what do you call that word? Whatever on the sides as well. Uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's really good. It's it's mean looking. It's not too tentacly. We know how we feel about uh, things that are excessively <laughs> no tentacly. Cups. I think if you do, if, if, if this is more than a promotion, if a player plans on wearing this, then you have to get a black light in your arena, don't you? I bet you they'll have some that go to waste. Yeah, I bet they'll have some black lights. Yeah, that can't go to waste. So that wraps up Goalie Gear Corner. Man, it feels good to be back in the Goalie Gear Corner, doesn't it? It has been way too long. <laughs> It's almost that season, man. It's almost that season. Yeah, it's kind of getting there. We can start seeing some new goalie gear pretty soon. I can smell smell it in the air. (laughs) Goalie gear corner. Updates are coming. It is generally a stinky corner, the goalie gear corner. (laughs) Uh, We now move on to our weekly one-timers. Ooh, that was a quiet one-timer, but that's okay. Dominique Ducharme has uh, lost his interim tag, and he gets a three-year deal with the Montreal Canadiens. Is this at all surprising? I would say probably not, since he took his team surprisingly yeah. to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, them getting there was the surprise, getting to the final. But him him becoming the full time coach is pretty obvious, right. I think. But it is a little dicey because you're you're really weighing heavily the playoff success. I think he was like 500 during the regular mm. season. So I don't know. Like, how do you weigh that? Like, obviously the playoffs are the most important, but what if you don't make it? Didn't uh, Rick Bonus wasn't he the interim coach for Dallas last year? Yeah. yeah so yep. this is the thing now, right? You hire interim head coach, you lose the final. That's that's the key. Well, or you win it because <laughs> Craig Berube no, was uh, the, three years in a row. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fire your coach halfway through the season. You're going to go to the final. Our next weekly one timer. 
Travis Dermott has re-signed in Toronto with the Maple Leafs. This is interesting because I know for a fact that we had him pegged as a potential target for the Seattle Kraken. Your thoughts on this, gentlemen? Well, he was an RFA, so he mm-hmm. was not really going anywhere and would be exposed regardless of his contract status. But they need to sign a certain amount of players and expose a certain amount of players that have contracts for the following year. So Dermott kind of meets that requirement. You know, there's a lot of talk in Toronto that they're going to go with the four forwards for defensemen, and that would leave uh, Alex Kerfoot exposed as well. And so it might come down to Kerfoot or Dermott as far as like which player they, the Kraken grab from Toronto. So good on him. It's more predictable. We know what his salary is going to be. I think that's a good thing. It's not that excessive. Pretty decent player. He'll be almost 25 when the season starts next year. So not young, but not not old by any means. And our final weekly one-timer. Pekka is hanging up the goalie pads after 15 seasons, all with Nashville, which is pretty cool. Uh, I don't think this is a surprise at all. You might recall that after his final game, he had a shutout and then he did like a victory lap around the ice. So usually when you do a victory lap and, (laughs) you know, it's like the end of a season where your team was only okay, that's kind of a good indication that you might be hanging it up. So I don't think this was much of a surprise, but uh, man, Pecorine, what a guy he was. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal player all those years for Nashville. Such a huge part of that team and such a huge part of that community as well. I think it goes without saying that his number is probably going to be hanging in the rafters there for them. There was times where Nashville wasn't the most talented team, but they still kind of got into the playoffs and he was a big reason for it. And, you know, I've always liked that team because they were such an underdog for a long time. And he was part of that story. So I always loved Rene. I'm a big Preds fan in general, but pretty cool to see him go out. I hope he stays in the game, particularly in North America. So that closes out our weekly one-timers. And we close out our show with Tweets of the Week. Andy, your Tweet of the Week. My Tweet of the Week comes from uh, Wyatt Arndt, who writes for The Athletic a little bit. He does some Canucks stuff there. Uh, His Twitter handle is at The Stanchion. By the way, named after The Stanchion in Rogers Place at the puck hit and went right to Kevin Bieksa, who scored then the the series-clinching goal to catapult. Seriously, <laughs> like, I don't know who they beat that guy that night. I forget. But they got to the Kenusha. Cup final. Kenusha? Well, it's also Finusha. They, they beat the Sharks in that game. Ah, okay. okay. <laughs> it's the only reason I mentioned his Twitter handle's origin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Stanchion, a Canucks legend. Yeah. The actual Stanchion is the Canuck is a legend. So he tweets out after the Duncan Keith trade. Uh, he he tweets out one day. I wish to know the feeling NHL GMs get when they trade for <laughs> quote guys who know how to win. Unquote. So I can experience what I assume is the greatest natural high one can feel in life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they got dumped on a lot for this trade. I got to say, Ken Holland, he, you know, it just, it was, it was a tough look for him. I think, I, I think that it just, it doesn't sound like there's much of a strategy here for bringing in Duncan Keith, but and it feels like maybe they gave up too much. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, and didn't, and didn't have Chicago retain any salary. Yeah, they gave know. up a third and a player. Yeah. John, your tweet of the week. Uh, my tweet of the week comes from Sportsnet, and it's a picture of an ad, and it says Nikita Kucherov and Bud Light. What a pair! It's an ad, and it's got him guzzling a beer uh, <laughs> in the press conference, and it says Nikita Kucherov. He's got no shirt on. He may not have a shirt, but he's got a contract with us. Welcome to the team, Nikita Kucherov. There will be no press conferences for this announcement, <laughs> and then it's a Bud Light ad. <laughs> Did you see at their parade? They had a lot of the players from Tampa Bay were wearing T-shirts with that image of him, and it just said "Number One Bullshit." Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I want one of those in the worst way. Oh, man, what a character. <laughs> also, that t-shirt's a picture of him, and it said $18 million over the cap. Yeah, I love that one, too. <laughs> I like the one that just said, Stanley Cup, Boat Parade, repeat. I thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My tweet comes... Are they selling those in the public? They should. I don't know. My tweet comes... Uh, well, it's sort of from the Seattle Kraken, but it's more a reply to the Seattle Kraken. So they said, RT, retweet if you're excited, like if you're nervous. And it's eight days until the expansion draft. Dallas Stars responded with just a screenshot of at Dallas Stars blocked you. So that's it. <laughs> they're done. The Dallas Stars are done. I love, you know, the, the Kraken did a thing, I think it was a week or two ago, where they were like, hey, the expansion draft is coming up. And then they just added all the teams in the league. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool, too. Tag them all. Yeah, they're getting it. Actually, the Kraken's, the Kraken's response to that uh, you've been blocked tweet is pretty funny. Oh, what they I say? I saw that. So they responded to that. You've been blocked. And it says the fear is strong. In oh, this yeah, one. there it is. Sure enough. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, that wraps up our show. You know what's incredible? The next time that we talk to you via podcast, you know what's going to be in place is an initial roster for the Seattle Kraken. So how do you like that? Uh, enjoy the expansion draft, everybody. Please do subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Please leave your five-star review on, I guess you call it Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. And we'll read it for you in the next show. And we will talk to you all next week for episode 147 when the Seattle Kraken roster will be in place. Cheers. Anything could happen.